Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the podcast. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as we talk about the Texans head coaching search. It's the search, Johnny. It's underway. It sounds so official. It is the search. And we have a lot of candidates that have been reportedly pursued or at least requested to have interviews with the Houston Texans. And as you're listening to this, maybe some reports have come out that are different or adding to that, or the Texans have actually had interviews and they've released that. But let's just talk about some of these names that are out there in the wind in the early reports I'm going to name candidates, and you give me thoughts, and we'll go back and forth, okay? Yes. And this is, as I like to say, in no particular order, which really probably should be the name of my podcast, in no particular order. (laughs) But let's start here. I'm going to go Ben Johnson, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, who really had a nice year with this Lions crew. Top five in yards and points and rushing yards. I think they're top ten. I mean, they really put on a show this year, and – Obviously, personnel has something to do with that, but it looks like this guy knows what he's doing. There's no doubt. And when you say personnel, the first spot you look at is quarterback. And that was Jared Goff was a was a throw in. He was a throw in contractually. It was Jared Goff's contract that was getting traded, not Jared Goff. And then all of a sudden, Jared Goff turned into Jared Goff. And he's been really good. And that's been a large part of what Ben Johnson has gone on a very creative offensively. He's been a coordinator for one year, but he's been with the Lions for a few I, I like guys that have been a few places, but I think it also says something about guys that have been in a place and the head coach is fired, but the new coach comes in and says, hey, I'm, I'm keeping you here. Something yeah. about you I like. And then you make it pay off, and that's what he's done. So he's from North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, went to the University of North Carolina, uh, played with one of our Texans um, – um, one of our Texans pro scouts. I'm going to call him pro scout. He's higher than that. I think he's the. Uh, I think he's NFL pro scouting director, and that's Ronnie McGill. Mm. So he knows Ronnie. So maybe there's a connection there. Who knows? But I like Ben Johnson as a candidate for sure. I, I think what he's done offensively with the Lions. When you hear the numbers the Lions put up, you're like the Lions. Yeah, yeah. because of Ben Johnson, and obviously they drafted well. They drafted well. Panay Sewell's been a great draft pick. Um, the running backs, they went out, got Jamal Williams. They drafted DeAndre Swift. But those guys were there before Johnson took over. Yeah. And the offense just kind of, eh. Then Johnson takes over, and it goes to a completely different level. And that's without Jamison Williams doing much this year, the guy that they drafted at number 12 from Alabama. They didn't get much from him. They'll get some in the future. But Ben Johnson's done a tremendous, tremendous job. And here's the other thing I like. There are a lot of NFL players on that offensive staff. Uh, Hank Fraley at offensive line, Mark Brunel at quarterbacks coach, uh, Deuce Staley at running backs coach. And here comes Ben Johnson, quarterback in North Carolina, didn't play the pros, didn't do anything, and yet he's leading that group. And you know how former NFL players can be. They can be pretty provincial about things and how things should go, and yet Ben Johnson has got them at that particular level. And I great think that's point. really impressive. That's a great point, Johnny. I also love it that Sean McVay left Jared Goff on the doorstep. Right. Just kicked him out, traded yeah. him. And Boy, I get genius. It. Yeah, and, you know, Stafford comes in. They win a Super Bowl. So it all worked out for the Rams, at least in the short term, because who knows where it's going. But 
Goff goes to Detroit, and in year two, they have a winning season. Yep. And in all those years, what is it, 12, 13 years with Stafford, only had four winning seasons. That's amazing to me. All right, continuing with the reported candidates or guys that the Texans reportedly wanted to talk to, Shane, Shane Steichen, mm. not Shane Steichen, because I'm so I like tempted. Steichen. Steichen. I like Steichen. Like Frankenstein yes. from Young Frankenstein, that great movie it's from the 70s. Steichen. It's just Steichen. Like from Steichen. the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Offensive coordinator really molded things well with Jalen Hurts. And I saw this debated on one of the ESPN talking head shows about, hey, Hurts is a big part of their running game. So if you can't run with Hurts with his current injury, how's that going to be? We'll see. He's got to be more of a pocket passer. We'll see how that goes when they get back to action. If he's unable to run the way he was earlier in the season, who knows? But Steichen did a good job. I mean, here are the Eagles, top seed in the NFC. Here's the thing about Steichen. Over the years, you know, I I love coaches that can adapt. So it's almost like, you know, I think about coaching the NFL. It's sort of like a, it's like the Food Network show Chopped. It's like, what's in the basket? Like you go open the basket and you go, okay, let's, let's look in here. So he goes and he's the Chargers OC and he looks in the basket. He's like, oh, I got a rookie quarterback. It's Justin Herbert. It's, it's pretty good. He's a rookie quarterback. Right. Okay. I got some receivers. You know, offensive line's not great. All right, let's see what I can do. Justin Herbert in that first year was tremendous as a rookie yep. um, because Shane was his offensive coordinator. So then he goes to Philly with Nick Sirianni. He's the offensive coordinator um, in, in Philly. And they have an offense that's good, but now Jalen Hurts has taken over. And they're like, oh, man, we need more in this offense to get more out of Jalen Hurts. So he adjusts his offense and what he does to fit what Jalen Hurts does well without losing the ability to throw the ball down the field and be dynamic in the passing game. And that, to me, is a massive deal. Yes, they brought in the quarterback run game, but they didn't turn into quarterback run, quarterback run, quarterback run. It was quarterback run, then you'd see NFL passing concepts, and then there might squeeze an NFL run in there. Then there might be um, another run. Watching the Eagles, getting ready for the Eagles, and watching their offense, I mean, I wasn't thinking about it at the time, but I'm watching them go against Jacksonville, and I watched how Steichen used formations and 53 yards of the field to his advantage. Mm. And he'd use personnel grouping. So he'd go out there, and he'd, he'd put 12 personnel in the game, meaning two tight ends and a running back. Well, then Jacksonville would respond. Jacksonville expected a run set, so they would put their base defense out on the field, and then Steichen would go to the line of scrimmage, and they would have four guys split out. It would be a two-by-two, two, but they'd be a wide – so Jacksonville's like, whoa, wait a second. So now linebackers got to go out wide on one of these really athletic tight ends. And then they'd run the ball inside. Oh, and so they, like the way that he used formations um, and groupings and used that against the defense, I thought was masterful. I like that. Um, and he's done that a few times. So Steichen to me would be a really interesting candidate for that particular reason. I love the way that he does that. That's always the way that I thought about offensive football. Like, how could I present something to you that you think is coming now way back in the day i used to use a shotgun for runs because as soon as kids back then saw a shotgun they're pass. like pass 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 and so i would see linebackers dropping out so i'm like why don't we go to shotgun and run we'll just run our same stuff we'll just do it from shotgun and it was awesome and, and it worked a lot and so i see that with with steichen and i'm really excited about what what he could bring offensively now again with a guy like he and johnson the key being okay you run your offense 
But who do you bring in as a defensive coordinator? Right. That that ends up being key at that. And point. how do you lead the whole operation? I mean, yes. being a head coach, there's so much to it. Let's be honest here. We're talking about guys who had not been a head coach before, and there's going to be a lot to learn there yep. because what do the head coaches always say? Yeah, I love it when I get to actually coach. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's so much I have to do that CEO type stuff right. and dealing with the media and everything else. So we'll see how that goes with all of these candidates when they eventually get jobs wherever they do get them. Okay, let's stay in Philadelphia here because Jonathan Gannon interviewed by the Texans last year, reported earlier in the week that the Texans were interested in speaking with him again. What about Gannon, defensive coordinator? So now you got to bring in an offensive coordinator. Who knows who that's going to be? And we'll see how that goes when and if he gets a job. One thing to consider with both the Eagles, both Eagles candidates, and I don't know how well they know each other. I would imagine you coach together offense. Sometimes offense and defense don't do anything together. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But Brian Johnson, right now quarterback's coach with Philadelphia, he's from Baytown. Yeah. He knows the city of Houston. Mm. He's a really good uh, young coach, played at Utah. I think he would be a good fit in whatever capacity. So whether Gannon got a job or Steichen got the job, that would be one guy. Hey, I'm going to Houston. You know Houston pretty well. Why don't you come with me? I don't know, by the way, you're a pretty good coach. I think with Gannon, I listened to an interview the other day. I can't remember which game it was after. It was a, I think it was a midweek. Yeah, the defense coordinators will speak midweek. So he was up there for a while, but just listening to him and how, I don't know, he just felt in total command. But the one vibe I didn't get from him was, this is just what we do. I just mm -hmm. do it this way. He seemed to be, yeah, you know, we looked at it from this perspective and then, you know, we looked at it from this other perspective and, you know, I, th this is the way that we go about it. And it wasn't like our way is always right. It's just, you know, this is the way we do it. And, you know, we'll tweak and do different things. I just got more of a um, young dude, but still flexible and learning as a coach. And he's willing to try things to see whether it works or not. Mm. And I think you really saw that with the Eagles. And he, he started talking about Hassan Reddick. And Hassan Reddick's 235 pounds. But Gannon's found a way to take that guy and make him a major weapon. I yep. mean, a major weapon. Uh, and whether it's the, the groupings he's out on the field with, um, setting up one-on-one -on -one situations, he's made Hassan Reddick. I mean, Hassan Reddick's a fabulous football player. He's always been a big name, and he's a former first-round draft choice, but... He's now a frontline name, right. and his name Absolutely. didn't come up when you were talking about the best defensive players in the league. No, but you could tell he he impacts the game because he's so dynamic and athletic, but Gannon has really helped do that with some of the things that they do up front. They had, I think, 72 sacks this year. So that isn't all players. I mean, that isn't all on the guys just rolling out the ball. Hey, go, and they've got some good players. But they've also got a few that are up in age a little bit. And are scheming. Right. And so it's a mix of scheming and some players, but it was fun to watch. And, again, the flip side, who's going to be the offensive coordinator? And I think people here in this town, given the way the offense has performed the last two years in particular, they're going to want to know that. Okay, Jonathan Gannon, great. But who are you bringing in as OC? Yeah. That's going to be, I think, a key question in the interview. Who is and what is your plan for the offense? Somebody tweeted a picture of Brian Johnson, but it was the ACDC lead singer, Brian Johnson. <laughs> and I thought, all right! <laughs> that is awesome! Make him the OC, okay? Shake fun. them all night long. Okay, now let's get to another candidate here <laughs> that the Texans were uh, reportedly interested in interviewing based on early reports the week of the, the first week of the search. D'Amico Ryans, we're all familiar with his oh, work yeah. as 
Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2006, and obviously second-round draft choice for your Texans, legendary Texans player, now the D.C. in San Francisco, number one defense in the league, and I think a real leader of men, Johnny. Yep. I think a guy took over very well for Rob Sala after he got the job in New York, and D'Amico is maybe the top candidate in this entire search for all teams, but maybe not. I don't know, because Sean Payton's out there. We'll get to him in a moment. But thoughts on D'Amico running the show? I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things where you want to get too excited about it because that, I think, is the guy that a lot of fans in, in the city want, in large part because they know him. Yeah. They know D'Amico, and they know what he brought to the team. They know what kind of captain he was. They they know those things. And it's easy to get excited about that. Yeah. Heck, I'm, I'm excited about yep. the, po the possibility. Um, and maybe it doesn't work out. But it's really easy to get excited about what he could bring. Maybe what that does for... Past players, you know, former Texans. Oh, my gosh. All that stuff. Is just all of that that you would get with D'Amico Ryan's coming back. And then just the energy that he brings, knowing the city of Houston, knowing what the city's about. And the same question would, who's your offensive coordinator? Who would you bring in? How right. would you run the offense? And obviously, he's seen one of the best offenses in football. So there would be, I would imagine he would try and nab some people from that 49ers um offense and if you couldn't do that some people that have some connection do baby, it baby lafleur is available baby lafleur is available and um, by the way i think that's i get it why they did it i guess because they needed a sacrificial lamb right. on offense their point totals were so low but i'll give them a little bit of a pass because of the quarterback situation there and the fact that the star running back got hurt and yep. all of the other stuff well that but offense anyway. seemed to work when mike white and joe flacco were running it yeah, and when they had the back, right? Okay. When Brees Hall, it seemed to go pretty well. It was, it was, yeah, so, smooth sailing. So I don't know if he would be the guy, or you know, he's somebody to watch in this league anyway. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think, you know, you think about all the, you know, you know, Philadelphia fired Andy Reid at one point. You know, yeah. the Browns fired yeah. Bill Belichick at one point. So those oh. are two of the greatest of Pete all time. Carroll. Yeah, Pete Carroll was fired twice. How many, how many Hall of Famers? Yeah, have been. Fired. Okay. Um, how many guys who have those those three you would think are going to the Hall of Fame, right? How many guys who have yes. How many guys who have been to multiple Super Bowls? Right. Like Dan Reeves. Right. You know, people like that. All right. We, moving quickly here, but D'Amico's look, awesome candidate. Yeah. Would love to see it. Let's see what happens. It's hard to say he's an awesome candidate for the next two minutes. He's just an awesome candidate, and you all know why. Yeah, exactly. Uh let's move on to Sean Payton. Report oh, came boy. out that the Texans were interested in speaking with him. Now Payton. It comes with you got to compensate the Saints and Peyton. Does he have strong opinions about things, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were at the Saints for one of those offseason practice weeks. And yeah. we said this is when I was doing the morning show with Lopez. Yeah. And we set up in an area that we thought was a little dicey as far as like the Saints might not like this. But, right. you know, they didn't say anything. Uh, but Lopez made the this is before we got on the air. Lopez made the joke. Peyton's going to come out here and say, "Look at it and go, nope," and then move on. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Really? Yes, <laughs> we had to move it. Was he nice about it? Uh, no, he didn't even say anything. He just walked by, and minutes later, somebody came up to us and said, um, "You guys have to move." Because you know, <laughs> I think he just looked at somebody, yeah, and yeah, that was yeah. it. Look, he's a great leader. 
I know you have a Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. It's awesome when you're able to work with him for so long. I do think he's a good coach without Drew Brees. Those are my thoughts. Look, it would be outstanding. I, I'm just saying on paper, it's outstanding. We'll see where it would all go. You know, people have compared it to Gruden. He's better than John Gruden. Give me a break, okay? Gruden was a great young coach the second time around. I guess we didn't get to see the final results, but uh, I think Peyton's going to make somebody happy as a coach. The question is compensation. Well, financially, it's going to be a ton. We all know that. Yep. But draft compensation, that I know you're getting a great coach, but man, oh, man, you worked so hard to get those picks whatever it's going to take to get them. Right. Your thoughts. Now, you hit on the, the two things. If, if there's one I don't worry about as much, I mean, because all we do on the radio is just spend the McNair family money. Right. So, sure. you know, uh, the, the compensation for him monetarily is going to be, I mean. Sizable. Yes. The most of any candidate. Put I think, this I way, think D'Amico can, com can command a, a lot of money probably, but, right. you know, Sean Payton, come on. It's rumored. It's rumored. That the arguably the best coach in the league makes twenty million. Yeah. So that's gonna be about where your starting point is. Now, again, I can give him some free airtime though on yeah, the coaches I mean, show. He can he can promote. I mean, some there's things. there's probably some some Texans radio Groupon things. Some nil for the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give him some Groupon coupons. Um, coach, you got a free Wednesday radio show with us <laughs> anytime. Free. Yeah, free. Um, the the thing here's another one about Peyton. He's going to plays in, with the New York Giants, and eventually yeah. had a rip from him. So, it's another guy that it, even the great ones have been fired. Talking about, um, as you mentioned, well, how about LaFleur. Pete Carmichael, who was with him forever, and not so much now with the Saints, right? Yeah. So it's interesting that you bring that part of it up. And Drew Brees tends to smooth things over. And, and this narrative that Brees wasn't any good until he got to New Orleans. Yeah, uh -uh. No, no. I've heard that from a few national people. No. Do your research. Let's not, let's not do that. Go look him up with the Chargers in 04. But I think with Peyton, it, it's maybe easier in some sense to find some holes because he coached for so long. Yeah. So you have this huge body of work to kind of yeah, attack if you want to. Um, I, I don't really choose to do that. I think, I think Sean was so very consistent um, with the way that he approached things with New Orleans and obviously got the championship. Then there was the whole, you know, whatever gate that was and cost him a season. I'd be interested to talk to him about that particular year because that's where you and I have something in common with him. We both coached junior high-aged kids. What did that mean for him as a coach? And what does this year off sort of do for him as a coach what kind of change in perspective has that given if he does indeed come back to the nfl in 2023 whether it's with the saints or whether it's with us or whomever what has that change in perspective done for him what has mm -hmm. he been able to do in that year that is going to make him a better head coach than maybe he was in new orleans so i'm i'd be curious to ask him that and what that's done i want to know if he wants to go back to the Greenbrier. that's all i want to oh. know i mean please <laughs> Coach, I know, th I know they didn't have winning seasons. Those are dark seasons for the Saints. But, Coach, it wasn't the Greenbrier's fault. No. Can we go back there, please? Coach, you ate at Cook's Country Kitchen. You know we got to go back. To talk about spending the McNair family money on the radio here. <laughs> Cal's listening. Uh, Callahan, sorry about that because yeah. uh, the Greenbrier, that's not exactly inexpensive. All right, yes. uh, one more qu uh, quick thoughts on Kafka. Mike Kafka, and what Ooh. I like about him, he yeah. was with Kansas City, but then he goes to the Giants mm -hmm. and he has a really pronounced 
profound, if you will, at least relative to New York in the context of Daniel Jones resurrecting his career. Good season with the Giants. It's not like the offense blew up, but it worked, Johnny. And I think that's good because they were no place before Dable and Kafka got there to help run the show and look what they're doing now. I, when we went up to face the Giants, I just thought, Watching their offense on tape, I thought, how's he doing this, man? What They got Barkley, and that's it. But Jan- Daniel Jones would find a way. Daniel Jones improved improved under Mike Kafka. He yep. improved under Kafka, and I think that's a big feather in his cap. The offense wasn't sexy, but Evan Neal, their first-round pick, was banged up. Um, the rest of the offense line was okay. The receivers were completely average, and yet they're going to the Playoffs. Yeah. They're going to the playoffs. And a lot of that has to do with Mike Kafka. I mean, that he's from Northwestern. He was not a star in college. In fact, he was a guy that started a lot of games and then he would get yanked out of a few. Then you go back in and and so he kind of had you I don't know, mind that. Up, exactly because he's faced some adversity. Yet he went to Kansas City, learned that whole system. He apprenticed under Andy Reid. And he's not just a Kansas City guy. And he went to New York. To New York to show that he could do it that way, too. Yeah. And I thought that was massive. That was huge. All right. Those are just some of the names that have been linked to the Texans coaching search. And there are other ones, of course, like Denver defensive coordinator Ejero Avero and Thomas Brown, Rams tight ends coach. And who knows who else pops up while we are in the period after we recorded this. But we will get to them all. Johnny and I with another installment coming up soon enough. But there's some initial information on the search on this Texans All Access podcast and check out all the other Texans podcasts wherever you got this one or wherever fine podcasts are available. Have a great day and go Texans. (laughs) 